course, everybody wants to go crazy right when we're about to start. Of course. That's <laughs> what everybody does. Yeah. That's what kids do. That's what dogs do. Motherfuckers. All right. You ready? I'm ready. You ready to kick this off? Yeah. All right, man. We're just going to fucking roll, and then we'll see where it takes us. Okay. Uh, all right. Welcome, everybody, to the Ville House Podcast. I'm your host, Cruz Robbie Villanueva, alongside my beautiful co-host, even though you can't see her, man, Holly Nicole Villanueva. What's up, babes? Hi. <laughs> and then today we have a very special guest, David Garver. What is up, man? Not much, man. Just trying to live life. Trying to live life, aren't we all? Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, yeah. uh, uh, Garver and I, um, so you're security forces, right? And you work specifically yep. with the uh, military working dogs. We deployed together back in 2009 and we were at the same place and that's how we met. And uh, we've kept in touch ever since then. Uh, and now you're on the podcast, man. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no problem. It's fun. Yeah, how, how I sit long? and I listen to it, and um, sit and I listen, and like I just start laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. <laughs> and I always think I'm the only one because I go back and I listen to some of the episodes just to, for the most part, because I'm curious about how it came out, and then I just want to see if there's yeah. anything that I need to fix. But I always find myself like fucking giggling and laughing <laughs> at some of the shit that we say, and or just it's some some of it's like cringeworthy, right? Like, oh, I can't believe I said that. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some of it I'm like, was he talking about when we were in in Iraq? I was like, yeah, he definitely was. <laughs> definitely had to have been. Oh yeah, so that's so that's been my only deployment that nine months stint that uh, we did out there and uh, so cop shocker out, out in uh, Iraq. Yeah. Um, but it, like <sighs> the first couple of weeks that I was there, man, I was just like nervous as shit and paranoid and like I was Yo. worried. Like I. I, thought, I remember. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm going to die here. Because like, uh, you were already there for a little bit when I got there. And then yep. it was you were replacing Shu, right? That was his name, right? Yep. You were replacing Shu. Yep. Shoemaker. Yeah. And then so it was you two and then the LT and I. So Lieutenant McKinley. Um, and we were the only yeah, four I was trying to Air Force what his personnel. name was the other day. Yeah, we were the only yep. four Air Force personnel on a cop full of uh who was it at the time 10 10th mountain or something like that yep 10th mountain there was about 200 army guys yeah and then us four fucking air force so you had the (laughs) military working dog and then we were doing the intel side of the of the job and we got our own home dude and i have well i had all those pictures of when we were deployed and uh, i would go back and look oh i still have them every once in a while dude so i had them on a fucking hard drive and the hard drive, the the base, like where you connect it, it busted. And I, right. and I took it to Best Buy to, no. to Geek Squad. I was like, hey, I, I need you to pull these files and transfer them over here. And uh, they're like, hey, we could only pull a few files. And it was all the movies that were on there. Like uh, no, no, photo, no photos <laughs> or anything. They're like, you're going to have to pay another $3,000 because we need to do a, a deep dive. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Uh-uh, No. So I have yet to no. pay the that three grand to to get the photos. I will one day, but for now, they're lost. And for now, no. Yeah, yeah, just don't lose that hard drive. Yeah, and uh, so that deployment, 
it's my only one, but it was fucking awesome, man. For one, so we got to convoy. Yeah. Well, you're security forces, so you probably do it a whole lot more <laughs> often than I do. But yeah. like, I got the chance to convoy, and then I worked with you on training the military working. Dog. Well, I was a dummy. <laughs> yeah, you decoy dummy. Yeah, yeah. Well, shit, it's still funny though. Yeah, I, re- <laughs> I remember that first time that fucking dog like jumped on me, and I was not expecting it. How how powerful he was going to be because he yeah took, he good took old drac yeah drac yeah i missed that man he was my first dog was he my Dang. yeah he was the first one that i worked the, he was he was eight years old when we went on that when we went on that deployment oh shit i didn't realize he was that old yeah, yeah he was an old man he was yeah. spoiled as hell though he was i remember he was that spoiled he had his own little bed inside the inside our room. He had his own seat his, in the Humvee. His water bowl, yeah, his own seat in the Humvee. <laughs> um, he had, yeah, his own his own little little cot like looking thing, and then on there he had one of the little travel um, combat pillows yeah. that he laid his head on, and then right there was his water bowl. He didn't even have to move. He just reached his head over and right there he was drinking his water spoiled spoiled little brat spoiled brat and then everybody would bring him treats and everybody would bring him all kinds of stuff yeah he was a cool ass dog he's special yeah Yeah. he was i remember uh i took a few pictures of him and the one that always gets me is when he's sitting in in his seat in the fucking humvee and he's got the shades on (laughs) and he's got his his shoes (laughs) (laughs) yeah this fucking dog (laughs) Yeah, he's just just chilling. I put my I put my uh, ACU top on him one time. Oh yeah, I have to see if I can find it. Yeah, and I had uh, I had a name tape made that had his it had his name on it, and then his tattoo number because you know they've all got their tat they've all got a tattoo um, in their left ear. It's pretty much their social security number. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. All of them, um, when all the working dogs are purchased and they start their training, just before they start their training, um, they get their teeth cleaned. Um, they get gastropexied, which gastropexy is um, they sew their their stomach to their side, and what that does is it ends up stopping their stomach from rotating. To where if they eat too much food right away, or if they eat too much food and then they run right right away, then they will not. Their stomach won't rotate and they won't get bloat, which could kill them if you don't correct it within like four hours. Oh shit! So it's a leading cause of death in uh, military working dogs and large breed dogs in general as well. So that's a preventative that they do, and then when they're <coughs> When they're under the anesthesia, they also tattoo a number. Uh, it's <clears throat> it's a letter, and then three numbers they tattoo in their in their left ear. Damn. So that's that's pretty much their serial number, their 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 social security number. That's pretty badass. Dogs getting tatted up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then we can kind of use that at also to kind of gauge about how long they've been in the program and about how, how old the dogs are. Um, so at that time, because every, every uh, cause there's only a few letters out of the alphabet that they don't use. 
ones that look like numbers, like an I can look like a number O. Um, so they don't use those. So every, we'll say 20 years, that number will come back or that letter will come back around. Oh, gotcha. So you can, you can kind of tell the dog's life and tell the dog how old the dog is based off of the, the number. Hmm. So. Damn, I didn't know all that. Yeah, it's interesting. Did, uh, yep. for Drac, did he end up retiring? He did. Um, and unfortunately he did not have a very long life outside of the military. Um, so Drac, uh, when I got back, I ended up dropping, um, Drac, I didn't work with him anymore. I started working with a, a younger dog, brand new out of the schoolhouse. He was a pain in my ass. Um, but it was fun and it was great. I ended up deploying with him to, uh, to UAE, to Aldafra. Um, but Drac ended up going to another handler and went to Al-Udeed. And then when he came back, I was the trainer and I was doing some training and Drac was about that age where he was about to retire anyway. Yeah. Um, so we were just doing some, some light, Hey, refresh your training, see how things are going. And like, he was just acting really weird. So I asked his handler, Hey, what, what's going on? Uh, handler's name was Jonathan. I was like, Jonathan, what's, what's going on? He's like, has he been acting weird all day? He's like, yeah. I was like, so I was looking at him. Um, we went into the a barracks room and he wouldn't search, which was not like him at all. Uh, so then he just went in the middle of the room and started spinning in circles. <coughs> Nothing like him. So I'm like, something is going on. Like he's not, he's not acting like himself. So I was like, Hey, we're, I'm going to call the vet. So I called the vet and she was like, Hey, just bring him up here. We'll do a quick blood work. This, that, and the other, uh, we get him up there. Terminated training right away and took off, went up there. And good thing we got him up there when we did. Um, Drac had severe cancer. His entire spleen looked like it had uh, like 12 golf balls in it. Oh, shit. And one, one of them had ruptured. So he was bleeding out. He was bleeding internally. So, um, when they, we, we get to go in the operating room whenever our dogs go in for surgery for anything like that. Yeah. So we're standing in there and we're helping, we're doing the vital signs. We're doing, making sure that he's under checking, checking everything. We're, we're pretty much vet techs at the same time. Uh, so we're in there, we're doing all that and the vet cuts him open and it looked like blood soup in his abdomen. Dang. Um, so she was like, we need some towels. So they, one of the other techs ran in the other room and grabbed a whole bunch of towels. As she came running back in, the vet kind of pushed down on the stomach a little bit. And it was like a sea of rushing blood came running out, running out of his stomach. Oh, my gosh. Um, I thought, I thought he was going to die right there on the table. I started losing. I started losing it. Like I started crying. I, I didn't know. Like that was my first dog. That was my buddy. Like I wanted, I wanted to take him home. Yeah. <laughs> when he retired, but um, he ended up pulling through it. 
she removed his spleen. Uh, she's like, this is not normal. Um, spleen is not supposed to look like this. So she took um, some samples and uh, sent it off to the pathologist. And then it ended up coming back that it was, it was cancer. Um, so they, they did some biopsies of some of his other organs as well and sent those, uh, which originally they came back negative. Um, so then he retired uh, beginning of December. And the day after Christmas, he passed away on our kennel master's white couch. Damn. And bled out on, on her white couch. Oh, shit. Um, he had, and when they ended up doing a, a necropsy of him, which is a, a dog's version of a, an autopsy, which is very, very brutal. Um, I, I had to sit through one. Yeah. <clears throat> if I have the option, I never want to sit through one again because it was, it was not good. Do they have to do that on um, all military working dogs that pass away? Yep. Ugh, that sucks. <laughs> All military working dogs that pass away, um, they have to do a necropsy. And what it is, they they take pieces of every single organ on the dog, and they send it off for for testing to to for for anything. Um, see whether it was uh, it was diseased kidney, liver, whatever. Um, and then they even have to, unfortunately chop off the dog's head and take a piece of the brain and send that as well. Oh shit. Um, so it, yes, it's, it's very, so very you, brutal. You have to see all that. Ugh. Yeah. We had to, we had to watch it. And, and that was, that was because of my very first kennel master. He was like, when you have a dog that, that passes away, um, you need to be a part of it. You need to watch. But I'm that, like, that part, yeah. Yeah. He was like, you need to watch. But he was like very, when he came in the military, he, he was core canine. So he went and did all the security forces stuff, learned all the law enforcement stuff, the security stuff. And then he went right straight to security forces, uh, to canine school. Yeah. So that's all that he did was canine. And that's how his kennel masters were like, and so that's how he was. And I'm like, no, no, that doesn't need to happen no more. I was like, that needs to, because I was like, that's, that's brutal. That's, that's barbaric. Like it's not yeah, something especially that when anybody should be witnessing. Yeah. Especially when you have a connection with the, with the dog like that. Yeah. That's like it's, it's up. hard enough. <clears throat> yeah. I was like, it's hard enough knowing that the dog just died, let alone you have to watch them cut them up into a million pieces. No, no. Um, but yeah, so Drac, Drac was a good dog. I don't think you were out there the day that, uh, that he saved us. Mm, I don't think you were, you went out with I the other teams and I was just attached to, to that. One. Yeah. Well, I went, we were out at the we were out at the po at the port and uh <clears throat> we had just got done searching a whole bunch of luggage a whole bunch of people coming in from pakistan <clears throat> as always the, the the scary time um <laughs> and we had we just had 
like there was there was a mother that ha- she had her like a newborn baby up underneath her black burka and she pulled the baby out to kind of give him some fresh air and the baby wasn't breathing so we did cp they did cpr with him right then there uh the medics came over took care of him brought him back but like he was severely dehydrated and she put him right back underneath the black burka and kept right on going jesus um some people um but then like i walked i had took off me and one other guy like i always had one person walk with me wherever i went um and i was like all right we're gonna go take a break i need to go for a walk and let drac go to the bathroom do do his thing so as we walked past we're walking back where we parked all the all the mraps and everything we're out back there and he went off on the side of the road to pee on a bush and he as he was coming back i was a little bit farther down the road i was still on the hardball and he stopped and he started sniffing the ground and i'm i turn around and i look at him i'm like what are you doing bud come on let's go let's go let's keep walking we're gonna walk a little bit farther and then we're gonna turn around and we're gonna go back and he he wouldn't move he kept sniffing the side of the road and like i started looking for stuff i'm, I'm like all right what, what's going on what is he searching what is he sniffing no disturbed earth no nothing and what does he do he sits was there a fucking he, he IED alerted. out there? There were two anti-tank mines right there. <laughs> what so the fuck? I'm like, I'm like, we've been we've been walking up and down this road for months. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? Where did these come from? So, I'm like. I, I tossed my cover over in that area and I took off running me and him got to the, <clears throat> got a good distance away. I called over the radio. I was like, Hey, we need to set up a cordon. We need to do all this stuff. Call EOD. I, I don't know what is here, but he alerted on something yeah. and there's, we've been walking up and down this road for a long period of time. The Iraqi general that works out there, dug them up (laughs) and brought them to me. I about shot them up. No, I was there for that. I didn't. You were out there for that? Yeah. Uh, Because I didn't really, I don't think, well, I didn't think it was a general, but I remember like one of the Iraqi soldiers just walking up with a fucking anti-tank mine and saying whatever. And then what's his name? B-Fly, Butterfly. He started yelling, and I'm like, get the yeah, fuck out of here, get the yeah. fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, yeah, I yeah. remember that. I, I didn't know that they yep. were, like, on the side of the road just right there. I didn't know it was two of them. Yeah, they were just sitting right on the side of the road. I was like, hell the fuck no. Hell no. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I'm baffled right now because, like, I've never found anything like that and then here he is just randomly going off to pee on a bush and comes back and stops and just starts searching this area really hard and then boom sits i'm like bro that's fucking nuts man yeah because we'd been walking and 
driving up and down that fucking place. <coughs> yeah. I mean, we mainly stayed on the hardball, so there were no tire tracks, nothing right there. But, like, it's, like, they were just right there. Yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know how deep they were. After talking to everybody, um, they were saying that they were just the anti-tank, anti-tank mines left over from the Iran-Iraq war. Yeah. Uh, so, they could have been duds. I don't know, but that's yeah, still never fucking know, scary. I I remember that shit. Yeah. 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 Oh. Fucking yeah. ridiculous. And I remember man. going out on an, another mission with, uh, who was it? It wasn't Alamo because they were charging the, the thing. Um, I think I went out with Average Joe's. And we were out walking. And, like, they looked at the map. And then they looked at the Blue Force tracker. And they're like, oh, shit. We need to go back that way. I'm like, why? What's going on? They're like, um, we're kind of a little bit in Iran right now. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, go that way. <laughs> go that way. No fucking way. Um, we don't need to be over here. Go that way. Go that way. Oh, International so we all, incident. Like, here we go. Feet. Yeah. We all beat feet and got the other way. And then, like, we were out there walking with the Iraqi Border Patrol. And then they were like, oh, there's a there's a cave over there. Let's go check it out. So I went over there with Drac, and we searched the cave. We didn't find anything. And what they did, they handed me two frag grenades. I'm like, toss what am I going to do with this? The Toss them in. I'm like, for what? There's nothing in there. Like, Deny the enemy. Okay. They can't put anything in there if they don't have it. So I was like, eh, okay. So that's the second time I got to throw a live uh, frag grenades. <laughs> nice. First time actually in combat. The first time was when I was in tech school. We threw them at, a, at the range, but it was fun. So I threw them in there, heard them explode, and then here comes the cave. The cave collapsed. Nice. I was like, hmm. Awesome. Fuck I was like, that's pretty man. fun. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it again. Yeah, it was it was fun. Hell I yeah. miss K9 so bad. Uh, are are you not doing it anymore? I miss it. No. So no, you, you I was I did it for about twelve years. Um now I'm now I'm uh, one of the flight chiefs on on shift. Um I was the kennel master for about two years when I here at Eglin. And then uh, once once that was done and over with, I went back to flight. And I won't I won't do anything canine related for the rest of my career. Damn, that's nuts, man. How uh how many dogs yeah. did you end up uh partnering with? Four. Four, Damn. three, over three bomb years. dogs. Yeah, three bomb dogs and one drug dog. <clears throat> oh shit! I didn't know. I, there, I didn't know there were different types. Dogs. I just kind of thought they all yeah. did the same thing. Yep, different types. Um, so the they don't do the uh, the majority of our dogs in inventory are all uh, bombs, but each base normally has at least one drug dog um, to help like with dorm sweeps and things like that. You never know. 
Um, but I think the drug dog was actually like, I think he was my funnest. Like I had so much fun with that dog. And then even after he retired and I adopted him while I was down in San Antonio and I took him home, he lived, he lived for about another three and a half years when I adopted and took him home. Um, I'd be, I had him out in the front yard one day and I was working in the yard in the, in the flower pots and all that good stuff. <laughs> and I, I started to smell marijuana <laughs> in the front yard. And I'm like, where's this coming from? Like somebody's smoking. So I turn around and I was like, oh, Donnie's out front. So I turn around and I look at him. His nose is straight up in the air going back and forth. He's going to work. Back and forth, trying to figure out where it's, go- where it's coming from. And I was like, relax, dude. You're retired. You're not doing anything. <laughs> you're you're going to lay right there in the yard. You're not going nowhere. So he looks at me and says, but dad. But it was, um, I think that's one of the hardest, one of the hardest decisions I had to make was, time time to put time to put him down yeah but his his thing like i i could tell that it was getting close to that time because he was he was in pain uh he retired because he had uh hip dysplasia and he had um lumbar sacral disease so it's the lumbar part of his spine was fusing together oh. so whenever he would uh quote unquote assume the position to go to the bathroom it would hurt and he wouldn't damn he would hold it in until he couldn't hold it in anymore um so it just got to the point where he was just in too much pain he wouldn't get up out of his bed um so i'm like i I can't i can't do it i just can't do it anymore um i would come home from work um and i would find six seven piles of shit on the floor because he had been holding it for so long that he just couldn't hold it anymore. Good thing was it was all on the hardwood or on the tile. So it was easy to clean up <laughs> and not on the carpet. He's like, I'll help you so, out a little bit, but I'm, I'm hurting. Here. Yeah. I'll help you out a little bit. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. So I started leaving him outside and making sure that he had shade and he had water and he would be okay. That way he ended up having to go, he was already outside and didn't have to worry about it, but I didn't kennel him. Uh, he had free room in the house. He would, um, <clears throat> funny, like even when he was retired, he was still working. So he would, I would go to bed. He would come in the room. He'd jump in bed with me. He'd lay there for like five, 10 minutes. Once I fell asleep, he would get up and he would patrol the house. Nice. He would go out. He would check out, check the other bedrooms. He would look out the front door, go through the kitchen, come back around in the living room, lay in his bed for for maybe an hour or so, and then he'd get up and he'd do it all over again. He'd come in, check on me, and I'd hear click, 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 click all the way through the house. And I was like, "What in the world is he doing one night?" And I just I had a security camera in the house, so I looked at it and I was like, "What are you doing?" So I watched him one day make his rounds and it was about every hour he would get up and he would make his rounds through the house, make sure the house was okay. And then he could lay back down. That's a good dog. We need a dog like that. 
Shit. <laughs> I get paranoid. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Our dogs are dumb. <laughs> or not our dogs. One of our dogs is an idiot. He's just, he's really lovable. <laughs> he's just, he's dumb. He thinks yeah. he's a puppy and he's super heavy. So he gets on you like if he's a lap dog. He, he doesn't, weighs like 70 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> listen for shit. Uh, oh my goodness. He has that squirrel uh, syndrome. So like if he oh. sees anything moving, he's he's out. He's taking off. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, oh, man. other than that, he's like playful. I had, so the dog yeah. we had when we were in Florida uh, she passed away like in 2018 and um, yeah, she ended up getting cancer as well and it progressed super right. fucking fast. Like we're talking about yeah. within a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. I left in January for Afghanistan and I think you had to put her down in the beginning of March, yeah. end of February. Yeah. Yep. Uh, mm. She like ended up going blind and then uh, at a certain point, her face just swelled up like a balloon, like super fucking fat. And uh, we rushed her, we rushed her to, to the vet. And they're like, yeah, she's going to have to be put down. Like she can have surgery and you can try to comfort her, but you're really only doing it for yourself. Like she's going to be in pain the entire time. Right. She's not going to be able to do anything. Uh, even if she has a surgery, she's just going to be there. It's like, well, right? Yeah, time to put her down. And uh, yeah, some, sometimes it's just the best. But she had a lot of medical issues. Like she had seizures really bad, um, and mm. the vet was like, "There's nothing we can really do for it. Just like make sure she's in a safe spot when it happens." <laughs> yeah. So it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but she was. She was wow. a really good dog. Yeah, so, sometimes it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a hard decision to make, um, but sometimes it's, it's for the best for them. Um, like, I have this lady at work, love her to death. She's awesome. She's a great lady. She's one of our, our civilian defenders. She's one of our DAF supervisors. So she, um, she has two cats. She spends almost a thousand dollars a month on one of the cats because the cat has diabetes. Oh my God. And she has to give the cat two insulin shots a day. Yeah. That's just like, and I'm like, she's like, yeah, I just got, had to spend another, uh, $2,000 on my cat. And this, I was like, girl, I was like, that cat's lucky that it's with you because if it was with me, if it was something that would be a continuous thing like that and it would be that much, sorry. Yeah. But it'd be, it'd be done. Yeah. Uh, so my wife's grandma, she she was kind of in that same deal, but it was a dog. And that dog, she kept it alive for so fucking long. Uh, it, it was blind. It like couldn't walk from like maybe a three foot circle so like she would wake up every morning and like home cook it breakfast and then she would like put it right in front of it it would eat she would give it insulin shots then she would have to like physically pick it up and take it outside to use the restroom wait till it was done bring it back inside and then it just laid in that spot until she gave it insulin i was like granny like it is time say say your goodbyes and call it a day yeah 
Yeah. 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 That, that it is that dog. time. And then, yeah, you're, she was just putting money and money into into that dog. So the, all money. the all the medicine that she had to buy, and then all the visits to the vet. And it's just like she had that dog for like right. sixteen years, I think. Yeah. So Man. I have a question for you. What's the difference in like just a canine handler and a trainer and a kennel master? Because like I kind of have an idea, but so not really. <laughs> the so the kennel master is the overall. Um, NCOIC. He's overall in charge of every everything that goes on in the kennels um, for the dogs. And how many dogs are normally um, the there? The trainer. Oh, sorry. It all depends on the size of the base. Um, here at Eglin, um, we were authorized nine. Gotcha. Uh, nine dogs. And then um, <clears throat> we only had six because like we had, we had retired some and we just hadn't gotten replacements yet. So, um, then the trainer, his job overall is to make sure that the training monthly training is being done because they all have, the dogs have monthly things that they have to do every, every month. So if they're an explosive dog, um, trained to find the explosives, they have to find each explosive that they're trained to find at least once a month, minimum. Okay. So, and we have nine different explosives in our, in our, our kit that the dogs are trained to find. So they have to do that at minimum one time a month, but yet explosive dogs have to maintain a 95% accuracy rate. So if they only do that one time a month, and they miss one, they're below their 95. And if they're below their 95 for that month, they end up getting put into remedial training. <clears throat> so that's the trainer's job. And then he's like the, the assistant for the kennel master. So anything, anytime anything has to happen um, that the kennel master can't take care of, the trainer steps in and takes care of it. Um, the handlers are overall basically just responsible for for their dog and making sure that their dog is doing what, what they're supposed to do based off of what the regulation states and then what the kennel master outlines. So, so the kennel master, your, oh, sorry, when you had your dog, did you just take it home good. with you every day? No, the dogs have to stay, um, on base. So they have to stay in the kennel facility that's on base, um, <coughs> which the majority of them are, actually pretty good facilities. Um, the one at Eglin <coughs> is pretty much brand new. Um, the dogs have like, I'd say probably about a, uh, I'd say it's about five feet wide, about six or seven feet long run um, that they can, they can move around in. And then they also have like a little concrete um, box that they can go in and out of that has a bed that has a lid over it. Um, and they can just go in there and lay in the bed, no matter whether it's during the day or it's at night, they can go in there and lay down and they're in, they're in darkness and they can go to sleep. So, um, <clears throat> now depending on where you're deployed, the dog can stay with you. Um, <laughs> like when we were at shocker, the dog stayed with me. Yeah. 
he, we didn't have a, we didn't have a kennel. We didn't have anything else. Um, he stayed with me in, in the room. Um, when I went to, um, Aldafra, we had a kennel facility set up. So the dog stayed in the kennels. Um, and then that also gave us the, uh, gave them more housing availability because if we have our dogs with us in our, our rooms, we can only be in a room by ourselves. Nobody else can reside in that room. Um, and then like the whole, the whole other side of it too, is like, they have to, like, I got <coughs> into it a lot with the, uh, the maintenance guys and, and all of them over there at, at shocker, because my, my air conditioner would freeze up all the time. Constantly. I'd come back from, come back from dinner air conditioner would be froze up and it's hot as hell in the damn room. We're I'm like, look right now. I was like, like we have to like this, we can't be having this because I was like, if the dog, if, if they get too hot, they're out, they're out of the game. Like they have to have their air conditioning. Me. It's just a perk for me. But I have a dog with me that has to have air conditioning. Yeah. I so when the dogs, when we went out and, I, th- I think that the AC in the vehicle was bro- broken. And you're like, oh, we can't take out yep. the dog if it's broken. Yep. And I was like, are you fucking can't kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I didn't believe you yeah, at first. The, but I was so like, oh, the, shit, it's a real thing. Um, the dog's normal resting temperature is already 100, is 100.5 to 102.5. So already they're their already body temperature high. is already really high. Yeah. So then when they start working, um, some of their their working temperature, Drax's working temperature was 104 to 105. If he went over that, uh, he's got to take a break. He's done. He's done. So I was constantly checking his temperature um, when we were out doing anything. And everybody's like, what are you doing? Like, you just took his temperature like 10 to 15 minutes ago. It changes like that. It'll change. And I'm like, I just got to make sure that he's good. Like, if I don't, then he's an asset that's down and we're not able to do anything. Is that something you learn like during deployment training or tech school? We learn during tech school. All right. Do you guys and have then it's reiterated all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. you go, so you go to security it's, forces uh, and then canine? Yeah. So what it is right now is you go to security forces tech school. And then after that, you go to your base and then you have to apply for, <coughs> you have to apply for cross train and it counts as your cross train. Oh, it's a cross train. Yeah. Well, and it's, and the crazy thing is, is it's not technically a cross train because you're not going into a new career field. So it's just a different you're still security shred forces, out, right? It's a, it's a shred out. It's a specialty. So, um, so we have a shred and then we have B shred. B shred is our combat arms, our, our firing instructors. Um, and then a shred is canine and everybody's like, Oh, well, why is canine a shred? Not K. I was like, because a comes first. <laughs> canine is better than everybody else. So don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 55 days. Um, 55 training days down in San Antonio. Um, when I was down there, that's where I was. Uh, I was T 
teaching down there at the canine school. One of the best jobs other than canine in general. That's, I love that job. No shit. I loved it. Yep. Yeah. I loved it. I got to play with the dogs and I didn't have to deal with it. any of a lot of the, the records or, or anything like that. I just taught everybody else how to do it. And it, I, I really enjoyed it. If I could go back in a heartbeat, I would. No shit. Do, do you have the opportunity to go back or is it like one tour and then that's it? Possibly. Um, if I probably went back, it'd probably be more uh, management than it would be going back as an instructor. Yeah. So. Hey, when you're, but. when you have your dog, I know when we were deployed, like you were in charge of all their training. When you're assigned your dog, yep. do you do the same thing stateside? Yes and no. Um, I, I do. Um, but then that's, that's also where the, the trainer comes in to, to make the team better. So I know what, what I wanted to try and get Drac to do. So I, I would try and come up with a plan. I'm like, all right, let, let's do this. Let's try this. Let's try this. Um, so, uh, but that, that's what the trainer does. And then like all of like how I would set up like the explosives and stuff like that. And he would go out there and find it. <coughs> I knew where they were all at. So it's kind of cheating when it's stateside or you're at your home station and uh, you go to do a training problem like that. You don't know where anything's at because the trainer went out and set everything up and hit everything. Gotcha. So you have no clue. You're walking in there blind. So you're learning just as much as the dogs learn. When you go somewhere and they don't have so, kennels there, do you have to take all of the stuff, like the food, the bed? you have to carry all that? Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I had – we travel with at least 30 days of dog food oh my at a minimum when we go on a deployment. We have – they normally dedicate an entire pallet just for a dog handler. And where does that come Even from? Even if there's only one, where's what come from? So, like, when we were at Shocker, where was that dog food coming from? Is that something they brought in, like, with the mail? Uh, yeah, when they brought in – when they would bring in the resupply trucks, yeah, that's what – they would load it up on those, okay. and they would convoy them in. Or if there were handlers coming in coming – in, like when uh, that engineer handler came in, yeah. The the kennel master sent him with four bags, okay. So they they already knew when they put him on the chopper that he was bringing four. Uh, it was like thirty pound bags, so he was bringing an additional one hundred and twenty pounds with him, <laughs> and it was all dog food. So what happens if you like run out and they can't do a resupply? Then what do you feed the dog? Whatever we can. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Whatever we can. And we just have to watch it because um, the dogs, they're on a, they're on a strict diet uh, and it's regulated by the vet on how much they can eat and how much they can't eat, whether they can have treats, whether they can't. Um, we always sneak them stuff all the time anyway. <laughs> um, but sometimes if the vets, if the vets are around, they, they yell at us. They're like, you know, they're on a strict diet. Yeah, I know. Leave me alone. Yeah. Come the fuck down. Um, <laughs> 
we're working here. Yeah. Like, Drac ate an entire one-pound bag of fucking beef jerky one day. Damn. While I was at work. So we were patrolling around Langley, and my dumb self, I left the middle partition open of the, the dog kennel in the back, and I walked into the shop at to grab something. I walked back out, and here's Drac leaned over the passenger seat in my backpack, Eating beef jerky. Going to town. Living his best life. <laughs> and it, the mess cleaning up later was not very fun. Ooh. Because yep. he ended up getting the bubble gut. Yep. And Which usually happens. It was explosive. <laughs> yes. I was like, man, leave it to that. Leave it to that. I know. I always want to um, give our dogs treats like that table food and then she gets yeah. mad at me she's like yeah. don't because then they're gonna shit all over periodically and i'm gonna have to clean it up <laughs> oh yeah they will yep yep um but yeah so like if if we're traveling we we take uh, at least 30 30 days worth of food um which we generally just grab a, a bag of dog food and go uh which is a 30 pound bag of food uh drac would eat uh, he ate two and a half cups a day, so it was about um, a little over a cup and a, right about a cup and a quarter each feeding. Um, we've fed them in the morning and in the afternoon. Um, but we have so when we deploy, we have all of the dogs' gear, which they have at least two bags on top of our stuff that we're going with their kennel, their dog food. Um, a first aid bag specifically for them because we have like three bags, three or four bags of um, saline for them, IV kits, all that. You name it, we've got it in these bags for these dogs. The dogs are, they're treated better than we are, honestly. And they have yeah. to have body armor. And um, They're supposed to... <laughs> Um, the thing with the body armor is it does not really protect them very well. Right. So we don't, we don't take it um, because it, it doesn't really do any good. And then all it does is just makes them overheat faster. Mm, yeah. So we don't, we don't take it. They tried to, they tried to make issues at one time and <clears throat> even even when I was at, at Langley, they tried. They're like, oh, the dogs need to take this body armor and this, that. And we're like, it's not going because of X, Y, and Z with, with it not cause, not saving them. It doesn't protect their underbelly. So it's not going to do any good. It's just protecting – it's pretty much protecting them from getting shot. But they're going to get shot. They're going to get shot. It, And I always tell my – my, um, my security team that goes with me out anywhere. I'm like, look, I was like, if something happens to me and you cannot get to my dog and, or you cannot get to me because my dog is trying to eat you alive. Sucks to say, but you're going to have to do, you're going to have to put his ass down. Oh shit. I, was like, really? I don't want that to happen. Yeah. I was like, I don't want that to happen. So try anything that you can possible before you do that. But if it becomes between life or death 
for me as the handler, there you go. You know what you got to do. Oh, damn. I think, but don't make that the first, don't make that the first option. So um, if something were to happen to you, anytime, they go in protection mode to like guard your body? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so there was one, there's one dog, um, like back in, back in Vietnam. So the dogs in Vietnam to the dogs nowadays are totally different. Um, dogs back in Vietnam, they were not trained to find explosives or drugs or anything like that. Um, the majority of the dogs in Vietnam were trained as, as sentry dogs. So they found people and they would bite people and they would tear people apart and, and kill people. Um, one dog in particular, his name is Nemo. Um, him and his, him and his handler were out patrolling around the base and they heard Viet, the dog heard Viet Cong in the, in the wood line. Well, he started growling, started alerting all that good stuff. Well, they started shooting and, uh, his handler ended up, I don't remember if he dropped the leash or if he lost his balance because Nemo pulled him or something, but somehow he got loose from his, his handler and, uh, Nemo went charging over there towards where everybody was at. Nemo ends up getting shot in the eye and he's still charging. His handler gets shot and Nemo turns around and runs back to his handler and was standing over top of his handler and would not let anybody near his handler until one specific other um, person came over and took control of Nemo and got him out of there. And then they could they could tend to uh, Thornburg the hammer. I was like, that, that's crazy. It's the loyalty of dogs, man. That's nuts. So I only know that story yeah. because at the NCOA in San Antonio, one of the flights are named after him. So all the uh, flights oh, really? have like names, and there's a Nemo flight, and you like they right. like, tell the story of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. I actually. I met the handler. He's oh, still shit. alive as far as I know. Yeah. And he tells the exact, like, he's like, I remember that story like it was yesterday. Yeah, it's probably ingrained. Yeah, I remember it like so it just Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, Nemo at that point, when they brought Nemo back, Nemo became pretty much a spokesperson for the DOD for um, just Joe Schmo off the street to turn over their dog to, to be used in a war, just like they were opening up a draft, oh, but shit. just for dogs. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, you don't want my dog because my dog's dumb. <laughs> Same. Yep. That's all, he'd probably that's lick everybody. Yeah. He'll he'd just probably lick everybody, play. not try and bite anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all he wants to do. He don't care. So for but, deployment training... So you have your own separate deployment training, and then you have a deployment training with the dog, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Where uh, is yep. there a specific place? before? Um. Now, now it's all um, down at um, in Texas. It's all down at Fort Bliss. Um, 
Fucking four. But when I went, yeah. Ugh, I hate that place. <laughs> um, when I went, when I went to Shocker, um, that's the best pre-deployment training that I went to in my entire career. Oh yeah, why is that? I went and I spent three weeks in Arizona with the Marines. Mm. Nice. They put me through hell. No shit, I can imagine. <laughs> like when I when I say hell, like we literally um, <clears throat> started off day two on a three mile ruck and through the sand and the heat of the day. We didn't have the dogs with us. We let the dogs. So the dogs were still acclimating to the temperature, acclimating to the weather and the climate. Um, but the last ruck that we went on, we went with the dogs and it was eight and a half miles. Nope. And at certain points, they made you pick up your dog and carry your dog. <laughs> Hell yeah. And Drax fat ass. <laughs> he was a big dog, man. <laughs> picking up. And we had to we had to be carrying at least forty five pounds in our bags. Damn. And then with full kit, everything, rifles, everything. Yeah. And then picking up a ninety five pound dog. He was ninety five pounds. He was ninety five pounds. Picking up a ninety five pound dog and carrying him from telephone pole to telephone pole. Ugh. I dropped him. I was about to say, like, you're not a huge guy, so that's probably, like, half your body weight, isn't it? Or more than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, man, I, I think at that point, I think I may have weighed maybe, pushing it, maybe 150. Oh, damn. Like, I did not weigh that much. And I had to pick him up and carry his fat ass. So between him and then your ruck, that's close to body weight. It was over body weight. Yeah. It was over body weight. Fucking A. <laughs> yeah. So. And then Shoes Big Ass had that little. Great. That little dog. Yeah, that little <laughs> shit. I was like, shoot, how did you do this? He was like, when I went through Yuma, he's like, I just put him in my backpack. Yeah. I was like. Um, and then w one of the best, one of the best training scenarios that I did down there. Um. We, assault, we were on a convoy, on a foot patrol, and we went into a village. And as I went into the village, this really showed me how Drac really was. And, like, he was pinpointing different stuff on, along the route, and they were like, perfect, he got it, you caught it out, keep going. <clears throat> so we were walking up into the village, and, like, the second house in, he started showing me, like, change of behavior so with the dogs like do you know how you walk into you walk into a restaurant and you smell something really good and you're like "Ooh, i want to know what that is that's what the dogs do like it's not that uh, oh that there's like a little spark yeah it gets their mind going a little bit um and then they they try and find out exactly where it's at so as we were walking up to this house, we were about a, a house away. He started showing me change of behavior. Like, and I was like, Hey, I told the cadre, I was like, Hey, 
I'm not going into the house. He's like, why are you not going into that specific house? I was like, because my dog has already shown me change of behavior. Like he's already telling me that there's something there. He's not worried about this house that I'm trying to get him to go in. He's more worried about that one. He's like, okay, this one's clear. Let's go up to that one. I was like, I'm not going in it. I was like, there's something in there. I was like, there's a, there's probably the entire house is probably an IED. Yeah. And he was like, okay, let's go see what he does. So we walk up in there. Drac takes off in the front door, runs all the way through the house to the one of the back bedrooms. And he goes in there and he's sniffing each and every single corner of this room. There's nothing in there. He's sniffing each corner, no furniture wise, I'm saying. And then he goes in the middle of the room and it's like, he doesn't know what to do. So he spins around in the middle of the room like a freaking washing machine and then shits himself. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I'm like, um, what just happened? The cadre was like, that's sensory overload. Your dog does not know what the hell is going on in here because there's 400 pounds of TNT in this one room. Damn. He's like, there's a hundred pounds in each and every corner. Oh shit. He's like, so he doesn't, he doesn't know where he needs to sit because there's so much in here and it's in every corner. So that's why he went to the middle of the room and spun around in circles and ended up shitting. Damn. He's like, don't worry. He's like, your dog is not going to be the only one to do it. I like, do you want me to clean it up at least? He's like, no, Co cover it up with some dirt. And they'll be all right. I'm like, uh, oh, <laughs> <Next>. okay. <laughs> all right. Next, please let me get here. And like, it was, it was so, there was so much in there. Even I could smell the TNT. Yeah. I'm like, that's a lot. <clears throat> so we ended up walking out and he was like, give him his toy. Let him have his toy. He just like I went mean, balls to the wall in here. Yeah. Basically he nailed it. I can imagine He's how like, give him his toy. that is. Yeah, I mean, I could... Oh, man. And they're, like... They're trained to find such small amounts of explosives that 400 pounds... Like, normally, in our, in our kit, we have up to a pound and a half. And that's it. That's all we set out for training. Yeah. And here he's got 400 pounds? Uh-uh. No. <laughs> That's like way overload. Oh fuck. That is nuts. Yeah. So it was <coughs> it was some great training. I had some so much fun down there. <coughs> hey dude the Air Force dogs don't have rank, right? <coughs> they don't have rank? No. Other other services do? No. Oh they don't? They say they do, but they, they don't. Okay. None of them do. Um where that, that came from was um, they said that they outranked the handler so that if the handler wasn't taking care of their dog, they could they could give them paperwork or they could write them like, stuff for disobeying or, yeah, yeah. or not taking care of an NCO <laughs> or some, something along those lines. 
but like you can like you can still yeah exactly you can still discipline a handler for not taking care of the dog just by saying hey look you're not taking care of your equipment and or um animal abuse things things along those lines yeah so it happens it happens more than more than not um there's a couple that I know of for sure. Um, one guy at Langley, um, he left after work, left his dog in the, in the patrol car and went home in the middle of the summer. Oh, and his dog shit. ended up, shit. his dog, his dog ended up getting cooked in the car. Oh man, yeah. that sucks. Uh, they came in, they came in the next morning um, and to feed and found out that the dog was not in the, um, was not in the kennel and they started looking around. They called him. They're like, Hey, you put your dog in the kennel, right? He was like, yeah. And they, they looked around, they looked everywhere. And then they went out and they looked in the car just for shits and giggles. And here the dog was dead in the car. That sucks. For something like that, does what's the discipline like? Um, he ended up losing a stripe, getting Article Fifteen, um, forfeiture of money, um, the, the normal uh, UIF control roster. Yeah. And then right after the control roster, he got orders to PCS, and he left. Uh, he ended up getting back to Langley. I don't know how, but he did. That sucks, um, man. Like I, I'd want to yeah. sh- shit on the dude, but uh, oh yeah, you know that happens yeah. way too often with fucking kids. It does. Like, it does. Just the same thing with kids. Um, and then another one uh, that I know of. I don't remember what base it was out of, but he went to the wash rack to uh, to wash the patrol car, and he took the dog out of the out of the vehicle for some reason. Tied it up to the bed, tied it up to the, the hitch, to the back of the car. <laughs> and when he was done, he didn't put the dog back in the kennel. Oh my gosh. And he drove four miles back to the kennel. Oh my gosh. And was was dragging the dog behind him. That is fucking horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how, how do you do that? How do you even not realize? Because when I'm driving, when I'm in the patrol car and I've got a dog in a kennel in the back behind me, yeah. I'm talking to the dog the entire time. I'm more worried about talking to the dog than I am paying attention to the road, unfortunately. Yeah. And I was supposed to be a dang cop. <laughs> I'm paying attention to the dog in the back, not the road. Yeah. Oh, my God. So. That's bad, I'm like, man. uh-uh. I'd imagine yeah. that goes into like uh, those are stories told in training. Like, hey, this is why you need to be, yeah, you know, vigilant all the time. With, yeah. oh my gosh, that's so fucked up. So that's that's one. Th- those are a couple stories I always tell. Um, I always reiterate it on several several times. Do not tie your dogs to movable objects. Hmm. Good rule of thumb. The, um, and they're like. I, I totally blanked on what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I totally forgot what I was going to say. I, was, I had a question <laughs> about the, uh, the dogs, but I don't know. That's what happens when you get old, know. man. I know. I forget stuff all the time. If I don't put it in my phone or write it down, I forget. I tell all my troops, hey, they come ask me about leave or ask me about something. I'm like, send me an email. My guy, all this, send me an email or else I ain't going to remember. Yeah. I'm too damn old. Oh, here's what I was going to ask. Do For instances like that, does a investigation get launched to fi- try and figure out what happened? Yes. Because I would, yep. like, and this is just me just, like, thinking about the whole situation. I would imagine maybe, like, fatigue or sleep deprivation had something to do with it. I mean, I don't know if that's the Probably. case. but. Probably, I think he. I think they were working twelve-hour shifts. Yeah. So that's probably one of the one of the big things, and he was probably just in a rush to get out of there. Um, but he he fed all the dogs. Yeah. Because at, at points <laughs> but, like that, it's kind of like you're just working off a of muscle memory. Because I remember even like at times when we were yeah. living leaving the uh, the po, and we're in a convoy, we're going through <laughs> all our checks, and then we take off, and I don't remember. The yeah. fucking drive. I just remember we're pulling into into the cop and I'm we're like, oh pulling, shit, we're yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. I'm and like, then, then we're uh, clearing our weapons and then Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That yeah. Sucks, it, man. It, sometimes like right there at the end it is muscle memory. Um so I always went back and I always double checked the car, made sure that I didn't leave anything in there, make sure I didn't leave my dog in there. Yeah. Or that was he was one of the very first things that came out. Um, Drac, when I was at the kennels, if there was nobody else there, he was never on leash. Because yeah. he was pretty much right beside me. So I would take him out, and then we'd go, I'd go put him right, put him in the kennel, and then I would take, I would go back out after I fed all the dogs. I would go back out, and I would take all my gear, all my stuff out of the car, and throw it in my truck or my vehicle, whatever I was driving. So that, because that's one thing I didn't, I didn't want to have to deal with. Yeah, was that's fucking scary. Killing one of them out of out of negligence. So, dude, that was always one of my fears uh, with the kids, and it's it still is to a certain extent. Um, was like leaving them behind in the car just because your schedule gets fucked up or something, or they're so quiet, yep. and or you're in a rush, or you know something happens because that's usually the case with like kids getting left right. in cars. People just forget like they're in a rush to get to work and then it's like oh well it was my wife's turn to take the kids so they're thinking i don't have the kid but the entire time i don't have the kids today yeah and uh so yeah Yeah. so i was like constantly checking my car every time i got out to make sure it's like all right there's no kid all right yeah i dropped them off at daycare or it's like oh yeah the wife took them it's it's just i don't know it's a a fucked up feeling it is it is and that's yeah I don't know. Like even, even with kids, that's, that's one of my worst, that's one of my worst fears or one of my worst calls ever is anything dealing with kids. Yeah. Anything I could deal with going to a suicide with going to domestic violence situation, somebody getting assaulted and beat brutally. Uh, I could deal with that, but anything dealing with a kid. No. Yeah. No, I want I want to I want to brutally beat somebody myself. Don't mess with dog. Yeah, I I don't understand how At people all. can do that kind of shit. 
I, I don't either. Fuck. But that that's a, that's another topic based off of what I told you the other day. Yeah. Or yesterday. Yeah. So that's that that stems off of it um, a lot, and I still have nightmares and stuff based off of the PTSD yeah. type stuff. So. That's, <sighs> but, that's fucking uh, yeah. We'll we'll definitely we'll have that conversation at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think for I don't, now, I don't the, mind talking about it. It helps. Yeah, and and that's that's what I hear. I know some people try uh, they try to keep it in, and it's just like you got to find somebody to vent to and to to try yeah. to help you through it. Uh, my buddy was struggling pretty bad with PTSD. And uh, until he he sought help, it was pretty much like eating him alive. Uh, just so it was it, for me, and then I was resorting to alcohol as my coping mechanism. That's not yeah. good. Yeah, and I had a different friend. He was the same thing was happening. Uh, he had some. He has severe PTSD, and he resorted to drinking all the way, like drinking his problems away as most people do uh, mm-hmm. in, initially, but. Uh, he he got help and he's like he's back on track. He's doing well. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. A, a, it's a monster. A, a topic for a, another day. I think now we can wrap it up there, man. And uh, dude, all right, it was fun catching up with you and, and then oh yeah, it was about cop shocker again and <laughs> fucking po. Oh my gosh, there's uh, so many other stories uh, from that place. God. But uh, yeah, man, uh, uh, stay on the line. I'm gonna wrap up the show and then. Okay. And then, so just don't hang up. All right. All right, man. Uh, yep. Oh, uh, damn it! My wife usually helps with the outro, and she <laughs> stepped away to deal with the kids. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out the website VillehousePodcast.com. Um, look for us on Facebook and uh, what's the other one? Instagram. Like our stuff, follow our stuff. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you're listening to it. And give us a review on there, five stars. If you scroll to the bottom, just hit that fifth star and hook us up. Helps the podcast continue to grow steadily, but surely it's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, hopefully we're huge. Uh, we'll see. But since my wife's not here, I will do that outro. Peace out, Cub Scouts. We'll see you all next week. Later. <laughs> <laughs>